listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 49, Work-Life Balance. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Nikki and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ and I'm also a medical student at the University of Manchester and I'm excited to be joined today by my good friends Lily and Coyote. Lily, do you want to start by introducing yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Lily. I'm a fourth year medical student in East London and that's where I'm recording. And Coyote? Hi, I'm Coyote. I am a fourth year medical student at the sunnier city in Scotland, Dundee. I will never stop saying it, so don't look at me. I'm just so <laughs> Great to have you both with us as always. And if you're a long time listener of Sharp Scratch, you may recognise our guest today. It's the lovely Greta. Greta, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, hi, lovely Sharp Scratch listeners. It's been a while. Uh, you can't keep me away. Vicky invited me back, so uh, exciting episodes to come. Uh, yes, uh, my name's Greta McLachlan. I'm a general surgical uh, trainee working in Kent, Surrey and Sussex, and I also work at the Cleveland Clinic London two days a week as a leadership fellow. Super excited to have you back with us, Greta. I'm excited so- to be back. So today I was keen to have a conversation about work-life balance as med students, but then also eventually as doctors. I thought this was kind of important for us to discuss, especially considering the shift nature of our work, often with antisocial hours and the demanding academic side of our careers, which like with the continuous exams and learning. So first things first, as a panel, do we think that we have a good work-life balance? Um, Listeners, Cody was shaking his head. Yeah. Yeah. um I don't think I do. I got it right at one point in my life and then I fell into bad habits again. Um, but yeah, we're, we're working on this. We're working on work, having a good work-life balance. We'll get there What someday, are your bad hopefully. habits that you've fallen into? I have like this problem with putting everything into my calendar and the moment I see a space, it's like, oh, I can put something in there. It's like, no, like you don't have to have every hour of your day scheduled for something. You can just have, you know, this wild thing called free time and just sit about and do nothing but we'll get there we'll we'll, we'll get to um understanding how to rest properly maybe i should just schedule in rest as well (laughs) yeah pop that in your diary what about you lily i think i actually think i do it quite well although one could say i have a bit too much life um (laughs) i would say i do fill my calendar but generally with more social things which at the moment means I go for lots and lots of walks which is great for my cardio health yeah um yeah I think I'm okay at this I've always been pretty like I don't love medicine enough to give medicine more of my life than my normal life gets other than the amount it needs so I can pass do you know what I mean yeah like I want to be a doctor I want to be a good doctor but I'm not, I'm not selfless enough for medicine. I'm not going to like die on that altar. So that's really yeah. interesting. You're sort of touching <laughs> on like the fact that you see that as a job rather than your entire life, which I think we'll touch on. Yeah, a bit I think later. I do. Yeah. What about you, Greta? What are your thoughts? Um, well, I was just thinking when you were both talking about that as as to what actually is a work life balance. I think that's so interesting what you said, Lily, about the fact that you see medicine as a, as a job more than possibly a vocation as I think previous generations 
we're very much medicine is a vocation and we must be working it 24 hours 365 seven days a week possibly because there wasn't as much other stuff to do maybe um and i think that's definitely something that is much more apparent there are much more options now aren't there there's, there's much more opportunity to go traveling and work and i mean in theory if we're not in a pandemic uh, to go work <laughs> at other places um so i think there's there's a definite question around what what actually counts as a work-life balance i've just had three days off and actually i've been having a lovely lie-in and then i've been getting <laughs> up and doing some life admin which invariably means doing some of my surgical portfolio which technically counts as work yeah. and then i have been doing some of my cleveland clinic stuff as well so i've then been going for some nice walks i had a martini on monday night it was very exciting Ooh, uh, thanks yeah vodka martini um <laughs> so i i i would call that a nice healthy work-life balance but technically yeah. i'm working on my days off so 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 is really it? You've really interestingly segued exactly into what my next question was going to be, which was what do we actually count as work? Because there are this whole load of other things, such as like research portfolio stuff, volunteer work, that kind of medics are expected to do, and that falls into our free time, because it's not part of, say, your degree at medical school, but there is this expectation to get all this other stuff done. So then is that really a break? Does that count as... I mean, Greta, you were saying you were doing that in your day off. I mean, so... I. So I think there's there's a huge bugbear I think um, lots of people have about portfolios because we aren't meant to do them and um, we aren't necessarily given the time to do them during the working hours. So we do have to do them outside in much the same way that we have to commute and there's there's lots of other stuff to be done. Portfolio for me I see as a um, necessary evil. She says, trying not to get herself into too much trouble. Um, <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy doing it, um, but I, you have to do it to be able to pass and to get to the sort of stage where you need to get to, uh, which I think is slightly different from perhaps when you're doing some reading around a topic that you enjoy mm. or like some of my Cleveland Clinic work stuff that I was doing and I was working on some of the women speakers and healthcare stuff um, which uh, I co-founded and that sort of stuff I enjoy and I don't technically I think you would class it as work and when I say to my wife I've got some work to do that's generally what I mean but actually is it really work or is it just extracurricular activities that I enjoy it's like going for a run if you enjoy that sort of thing yeah Coyote what do you think because you were saying about yes See, I I count it all as work. It's all work to me. Like anything that anything that <laughs> is sleeping anything that's not or <laughs> watching TV, watching Netflix, it's all work to me. So, yeah, like because I I also have a part time job, so like everything is just work. If it's not sleep, sleep is like my my um life balance aspect of things. Um, yeah, I I agree with you guys. Like it's very very difficult because there's like so many different things in medicine that you're just almost sort of expected to do but it's not really um scheduled into your time and i've always like wondered why that is the case and because i work as a hca as well a healthcare assistant as well i'm interacting a lot with other healthcare professionals like and seeing things from the other side and i just I, and i do feel like the um on the other side people are just so much better at taking breaks so like 
I come into work and like my name's written on the board and what time my break is. But I've never ever seen that being done for the medical aspect of the ward. So I, I don't know. Why are we okay. so resistant to sleep? <laughs> and that's so interesting. Break. I was going to say, I, I think that's that's. I, w- I was talking about this with someone else recently on a, a well-being uh, webinar, and actually, medics inverted commas are not very good at taking breaks, uh, particularly to eat. You know, just have some water. Uh, you know, even shock horror to go to the toilet. Whereas, like you say, as, as HCAs and nurses, you have your breaks built into the day, and yes, it can be frustrating sometimes as a doctor when you want to find out what's what's going on with that patient and the nurses on the break but actually it's super important that people have those breaks during their working day so what is it that means that us as medics are, are so against taking a you know god forbid that we actually have a sit down and have a cup of tea and, and put our feet up for 10 minutes oh you know uh, does that make us a bad doctor or, you know a bad medical student yeah you're so right and that really resonates with me I was speaking to some junior doctors interviewing them for a feature the other week and one of them was like no it's not too bad at the moment like I, I had a lunch break the other day and I was like wait that, that scares me that you I was like, that really scares me that that feels like a rarity and something to be proud of and to announce also Lily, why do you... diary moment yeah <laughs> Lily what do you think is the reason for this like why do you think that we're so resistant to Gosh, I mean, I think there are a million things. I think obviously it is important to acknowledge that like it is a demanding job that doesn't end. You can't just put a pause on when patients need you and when your colleagues need you. So, of course, I think doctors do feel like an innate sense of what I want to do as much as I can to help. And that means not taking breaks that actually might help you help better. Um, So I think that's definitely part of it. It's not particularly like you can't just step away from the computer for 20 minutes um I definitely think I've said this before I think medics or medicine attracts people who do feel a sense of wanting to be wanting to achieve wanting to be successful wanting to be the best um and obviously I think there's a spectrum I think you have people who have kind of like a god complex and then you have people who have this despite genuinely really wanting to try but also kind of killing themselves for this job um, I think it attracts those sort of people and that will always kind of lend itself to, again, I want to do the best job possible. I want to be the most hardworking, the least needing of rest and sleep. Um, yeah, I think both those things are pretty evident. I don't think I'm one of those people. Um, so I think, well, I've, but then I've never worked as a doctor, obviously. I, similarly to Cody, I work as a carer in a nursing home. And when you get there on your shift, you're told when your breaks are going to be your short break and your lunch break and you always take that you'd never not take it so I don't know what it's going to be like when you have more autonomy over when you take your break I hope I'll be good at taking a break but then I don't know maybe I'll become really really hard working that's so interesting. actually <laughs> a, a previous episode the episode that Mike Farquhar was on about sleep nap, naps and night shifts um for our listeners who are interested he mentioned that um if sometimes you would be much more help to your patient having had a 10-15 minute break had a cup of tea and a Kit Kat I think is what he said and then go back go to them refreshed rather than trying to just do a long list of jobs without taking a break especially yeah if you're working long hours the doctors are really mean when they're tired and they're not very nice to their (laughs) colleagues they're not very nice to medical students and they're not very nice to patients and actually that isn't like helping anyone 
or was actually they're like nice people they just need a bit of food and some water like a little plant sit down yeah 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 and really, I'd also think... like to add, you can have any borrowed chocolate you want. It yes. doesn't have to be Kit Kat. <laughs> also, Lily, I think, it was, I think it's so interesting what you were saying about the type of people that are attracted to medicine as well. And I think this is something that we don't appreciate when we're at medical school and then flip into being a doctor is that at medical school, you've been super competitive since what the age of let's call it 14 because realistically that's when you start doing your GCSEs yeah. to be the best in the year you're mostly all sort of top five percent top one percent in terms of outcomes of extracurricular stuff so then when you get to uni the way that you compete with each other you'd be like oh, I've worked the most I've done the most hours revision mm. uh, you know I've done this I've done that and I think that puts pressure on yeah the, I've done the most amount of committees yeah. and I've raised this amount of money by climbing oh, in, in climbing a mountain yeah I've climbed a mountain and I've, <laughs> I've built a school and I've you know whatever it is you, you want to you know have achieved um and it does it puts pressure on people and and I think when you suddenly then get into being a doctor in real life there is so much more teamwork but I think that mentality still is a thread that comes through of if I stay till six o'clock that means I'm the best doctor mm. if I don't have a lunch break that means I'm the best doctor which I, I, I don't think necessarily is true I, mm. I like to take breaks so I'm going to say it's not true <laughs> I'm biased towards you as well. Doctor. Thanks, Katie. Thank you very much. I'll give you that five. Following you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I, do, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, medicine is super competitive. I do remember in my first year during exams, um, someone literally. I was going home at maybe like eight p.m. or nine p.m. of the library, and Ooh. this person stopped me and said, "Wow." You're going home now. I was like, yeah, because I because I because I listeners can't see, but we're all seething. (laughs) And then expletive. What a dick! dick. (laughs) You just actually just said. Sorry, yeah, sorry. And then he he proceeded to test my knowledge. (gasps) No, I would have hit him. I I was in such encouraging hitting. I, I, was, I, I was I was so shocked. I, was, I I I didn't know I didn't know how to respond apart from just answer the question because oh, I was, was just I was. Was this person in your year group? Yes. <laughs> so like wow. medics are super um, competitive. Mean. And I, I I think yeah, that's not competitive. That's mean. Yeah, that's yeah, mean. I agree with Lily. Yeah, but that's it's it's, it's competitive and mean. Yeah. I, I do th- I think it comes from a place of um overwhelming privilege. Um medicine the makeup, the the people who make up medicine these days is very, very different to maybe what our parents' generations would have been like. And now I th- I think it's becoming more normal to be a medical student or a doctor who's very junior in their career, who has other life commitments maybe it's children or you have other health um issues or i don't know whatever the reason is that you can't just dedicate your entire life and being to medicine so people like us just realize well i was meant to be here till 8 p.m so i'm going to go home now whereas i think in previous generations and there's still there's still a few people who are like that left around because they don't have 
it sounds so mean but because they don't have other commitments and they have nothing else yep. to do it's mm-hmm. perfectly understandable it's perfectly reasonable yeah. to just carry on working way past your shift time and not complain about it and not think it's abnormal to do that and like i've, I've already said that i don't have a great work life balance but yeah so i don't know why that person felt the need <laughs> to remind me that i was leaving quote marks yeah. too early from the oh, i thought you were saying you I were think... leaving late i was like wow that's late yeah, eight, yeah, that is late. Late. <laughs> yeah. that's late eight for me is... like okay good yeah good i'm glad <laughs> i think that's a really good point i think obviously you could do like talk about this forever but i think it's a really good point to say that if you look at medicine a very long time ago medicine is historically very male and actually so that's obviously only one angle. But if you look at medicine now, it's like more diverse in terms of gender. And actually the burden on women of like childcare or care of parents or kind of emotional care of people is very different. And I think that is just a different like vibe. I think if medicine was created to be a job for people, like you said, who can stay as late as they want, who have few kind of burdens and responsibilities, which obviously that's not a good thing because men have had children but anyway I think that's a whole other topic like I think you've now got a workforce that has more like things they need to be there for outside of their job mm. um yeah I, th- I, th- I I couldn't agree with you more and I, th- I think you're right I think it used to be very much white male and upper class and mm. actually I, I, I it's interesting Cody that you mentioned privilege because I'd not actually thought about it that way but there is a huge amount of privilege in you don't have to work to get yourself through medical yeah, school 100%. or cat, cat, um, stereotyped to not be looking after the kids. And actually, you, you may have children at that point, but you mm. are the man. So you're expected to be at work or be revising. And actually, what that does mean is that your whole life can revolve around work without having to worry too much about anything else. And mm. is that possibly where this attitude has come from it, you know obviously the working patterns from beforehand uh, but also you weren't expected to do anything other really than work and now that that I think we got gender parity sort of mid-90s in medical school definitely in the early noughties um, since we've we've got that gender parity in terms of medical school that's shifting we've also got things like access um increasing access to med- medical school uh so you've got people from a i still don't like this expression but you know lower socioeconomic um background um who may not have as much finances and financial support so need to have a job or just actually want to have a job and might need to work during their school holidays rather than going and doing four million electives yeah. and a fellowship and an internship so mm. I, I think you I don't think you can downplay how much that shift has shifted the demographic in medicine, but we've not necessarily caught up in terms of our culture and our expectations. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that's really important. We'll talk a little bit more about this in just a moment, but we're going to take a quick break to hear about an offer available to Sharp Scratch listeners. As a junior doctor, you want the latest clinical information at your fingertips, anywhere any time. That's why, funded by Health Education England, NHS Education for Scotland and NHS Wales, all NHS staff in England, Scotland and Wales have free access to BMJ Best Practice. 
BMJ Best Practice provides the latest evidence-based information structured around the patient consultation to help you treat patients with confidence. It includes differential diagnosis and treatment algorithms, videos of common clinical procedures, important update alerts for evidence changes, over 500 medical calculators, links to local guidelines and nearly 500 patient leaflets. Create your free account today by visiting bmj.com forward slash UK access. Okay, back to the show. Greta, I know you've taken some time out of clinical work and you've mentioned that you're working less than full time at the minute to make time for everything else that you do. So do you mind telling us a bit about how you came to that decision and how common would you say that it is for people to do things other than the traditional full time training pathway? I mean, of course, I think I'm very special and very important. And so obviously, I think there's very few of us uh, doing these things because I'm a unique snowflake, of course. Um, (laughs) No. Um, So I, a bit of background on me, I was the BMJ um, editorial registrar uh, core two two and a half years ago. Um, I did my elective at the Lancet and had always wanted to do the BMJ editorial registrar job uh, and applied for it and it comes under the umbrella of the National Medical Directors Clinical Fellowship Scheme. They also have a student one so if anyone is interested please do get in touch. Um, And I I really enjoyed my time at the BMJ, I absolutely loved it Um, but I've got a very keen interest in leadership and medicine so I took, I wanted to take another year out because whilst the BMJ was great from the publishing and journalism side of view, it didn't quite tick some of the boxes that I wanted from a leadership perspective Uh, and I was very lucky um, that uh, a couple of jobs came up that tick the boxes that I wanted so I started work at the GMC uh, two days a week and then was working with Cleveland Clinic London three days a week. Now Cleveland Clinic I assume most people know what the GMC is. Cleveland Clinic London is um, going to be a sort of sister branch of Cleveland Clinic in the States. It was due to be opening about this time uh, this year but obviously with Covid getting in the way it's now due to open in January 2020 to an outpatients opening uh, later on this year. So it's been a fascinating journey to see how you set up a hospital and just all the stuff that goes into it and the culture. And yes, it's very American and I've definitely drunk some of the Kool-Aid, but I'm totally all right with that because it's (laughs) it's a great working environment. Um, And and it's ticking lots of things that I don't necessarily get in the NHS. So that was due to finish in October 20, I'm getting my years confused now, 2020. Um, And I knew that I wanted to go back into training, um, but I didn't think I wanted to go back into full-time training. And actually with me wanting to go down a clinical path, a clinical leadership pathway, I knew that my time would probably be split uh, when I'm a consultant between leadership bits and then clinical stuff. So I, I thought it was probably a good skill to actually learn how to do a part-time practice Um, and what it means is I do three days a week clinical so I do Monday to Wednesday and then Thursday Friday at the minute I'm working from home for Cleveland Clinic London and I absolutely love it I really enjoy the slightly um, sort of helicopter view of medicine which you don't always get in the NHS I think you're very much focused on your own training the patient in front of you your exam whatever it is you've you've got as your next sort of goal or hurdle 
whereas with Cleveland Clinic, whilst I'm getting to do some of the, the different projects and things, there is also a, a more global picture of understanding how you set up a healthcare system. How do you instill a culture from day one? How do you instill values? So I'm finding it absolutely fascinating. Um, and again, if anyone wants to hear, hear more about that, please, please do get in touch with me. Um, so I, for my own well-being, it makes a huge amount of difference. I hate commuting, so I've got two days a week where I'm. <laughs> I hate. Sorry, I specifically hate driving commuting. So I've got two days a week where I'm not driving commuting, um, and it's a different. It's a different pace, um, and it allows me to keep up with other things. And and I I'm very pleased with my life choices. That sounds great. And you mentioned a bit about um, training part time. So is that an easy thing to do? Or is it kind of complicated? Because I saw a video, I think it was the other day about sort of the challenges of trying to go less than full time in clinical work. If you don't have what they were calling like a valid reason, like a health condition yourself or being a carer or having a child. Yeah, so that's that's all cha- that's cha- that's in the process of changing, and actually, it's very much dependent on your TPD. So that's your training program director, so the person that is in charge of um, the deanery that you work in. I'm I'm very lucky in that I've got a very supportive TPD, who again, I think I, I hate to say valid reason, but because I was doing something constructive with my time. I think I've been sort of given a, a bit of a benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Of, okay, well, let's see how you get on as long as you're keeping up, which is why I've been doing my portfolio stuff, because I need to keep up with scratch of that <laughs> and show that actually I can do the clinical stuff and the leadership on, on the side as well. Um, I have heard of horrible stories of people not being allowed to. I think the usual reasons are childcare or being a carer. I know that that is starting to change so that now actually if you ask to be less than full time you don't really have to have a valid reason if you want to do it for a work valid valid reason air quotes um so i think things i think things are changing I, I, and i know that hee um health education england um have been looking at trying to get flexibility to be more of a uh, predominance in training uh, so that you can take time out now without actually, again, needing a valid reason if you just want to take a year out um, from training. So I, I, I think things are improving and going in the right direction slowly, but change always comes slowly. Yeah. Lily or Coyote, do either of you think that you might want to train less than full time or like sort of step off the treadmill again, air quotes, as it were? Yeah. I, I really think so. Uh, I think if you've already got my vibe, I like a slightly slower pace. <laughs> no, no, no. I, like I genuinely, I've realised over the last year that I actually, I actually do want to be a doctor. I actually am excited to be a doctor, but I just don't want to subscribe to like, yeah, just ruining the rest of my life because of it. I just don't, like I want to be able to feel like I have hobbies and activities and friends and yeah if I want to do like more still working things but non-clinical things yeah I can definitely see myself doing that yeah I 100% agree with you Lily I hate giving valid valid quote marks air quotes <laughs> it's a very air quote heavy episode <laughs> but I don't know what we can do as individuals to change that mm-hmm. so I'm just sort of like doing 
personal reflection now as we're talking. That's that, that's why I keep on seeing my eyes just darting across the screen <laughs> from time to time. And I'm just I'm just and I'm just sort of thinking about like why is it that I fill every bit of my time with a little bit of something extra? And a recurrence theme throughout this episode is about how um, medicine is quite competitive and all of that. So I'm thinking maybe is it because I myself I'm trying to be competitive? Because obviously um I come from a background in which that I have to work um, whilst I'm at medical school. So it's, it's a small part of me thinking, even though I'm very much like, fight the system, yeah, right? Is a, is a part of me also thinking, yes, fight the system, but you are still part of the system. Um, make sure you <laughs> Stay in the system. The, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. You, you, do, you do the extra bits and bobs you need to do to make sure that you're not kicked out of the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one. And I'm just thinking again back to I was working on a different ward on Sunday and I heard one of the nurses talking about one of the other one of the nursing students um because that nursing student's mentor wasn't going to is go, was going on annual leave and they were trying to figure out like what to do um do about that because the nursing students in question um has children and it wasn't a thing that the nursing students had to ask the nurses to do it was just like straight away we know you have children and your mentor is going to be on annual leave so we need to figure out who's going to take over from your mentor to make sure you don't have to change your shift pattern last minute and i thought that was very very touching and i just saw, sort mm. of spoke about an environment that is trying to ensure all their trainees are able to be successful regardless mm. of any other barriers in place. The only other option was to not let her mentor go on annual leave, which is, doesn't make sense, or change that nursing student's shift pattern really last minute, which is going to have huge implications for childcare. So I thought I thought that was very very touching. I thought that was very very healthy, and I thought it was really really supportive, and I loved it, and yeah, it made me smile. Yeah, that's interesting because we would, we started off talking about these like big institutional kind of problems and like the system and then what you can do on an individual level and you just mentioning that story. If everyone was thinking about everyone else around them and their work-life balance in that way, people who are writing the rotors, people who are, are be like, if your colleague asks you to change a shift or anything like that, I guess we can start to lead to change on an individual level as well. Um, the other thing that I see on Twitter a lot is about annual leave and fixed leave. And I, you see a lot of doctors who sort of struggle to book annual leave for major life events, such as their own weddings. I've heard of people who have chosen to take the whole year out and pick up locum shifts instead, of just to ensure that they get their wedding off. Greta, do you know how common this is? <laughs> Uh, do you know what I, I would love to sit here and say oh that only happened that's that's never happened but um, no that that happens far too frequently it was um, I think Joe Poole who if you don't follow on Twitter is, is a, a trainee anaesthetist who um, put together this um, dossier of, of what were called sort of petty tortures um, oh, which yes. were just a reflection yeah would, it was a, a, maybe a, maybe 18 months ago now um, but it, it it really did the, the one that the, the media picked up and, and quite understandably is that inability to be able to choose when you have your 
um, leave. You know, we, we do change hospital at least once a year. Some people change hospital every six months. You're dealing with a different rotor coordinator or a different rotor whoever every single time. And when they're good, they're, they're, they're fantastic. And like most things, when they're bad, it's, 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 it's pretty dire. Um, and for whatever reason, there doesn't seem to be the give or the recognition that there are important dates that um, need to be respected and kind of worked around we had a girl um a girl sorry we had a woman um trainee who'd requested her annual leave at the hospital that i that i was working at only to be put on call on it uh i think it's one thing when you're put on days for it to say say you're having a midweek wedding but to actually be put on i think nights as well and so we all you know we all helped out around and um yeah so i really brought yeah, the mood down right. there didn't i no, no, it's okay. Um, it's also side raining outside. Yeah, it's gone quite dark in my room. Like... Well, in Sunday, it's not raining. It's uh, <laughs> cloudy, but it's not raining. Um, Lily, does this sort of stuff put you guys off? Well, what am I going to do now? I've done nearly five years. Like... <laughs> I'm not suggesting you leave. <laughs> I'm asking how you feel about it. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a bit late now. What am I going to do about it? I'm in too deep, guys. I'm in too deep. Yeah, I mean, that's almost the feeling. Great song. Yeah, I. it does worry me. Yes. Yeah, it does worry me. Um, and I just hope that it'll be better by the time I'm there. But I feel like we've been saying that about everything like since first year and things don't seem to be changing at the rate that I would like them to change yeah it it does worry me yeah yeah I'm the same I'm I'm I am slightly concerned that I am very opinionated about things and have too many morals about things and I don't think yeah I know it's annoying (laughs) and I don't I don't know if I'd be able to keep quiet about things um i don't know who said it but somebody said it um if you don't um complain people will kill you and say you enjoyed it so i have like a habit of just saying if whether or not i think it's going to make any difference i'm still going to say what i need to say and i i am worried that might get me in trouble um (laughs) later in my later on in my career and also potentially have like um knock-on effects on progression and all that wonderful jazz so yeah i don't know do you have any advice greta i was i was i was just thinking core i feel i need to do some damage control here and make sure that people don't hate medicine by the end of this episode um for the for the most part i i've i found medicine to be very supportive and actually you can find support in your colleagues as well so yes it, it is a pain in the arse that you get roted on when it's your birthday or someone's wedding or, you know, I had it when I was a bridesmaid uh, to my best mate's wedding and I had to switch things around even though I'd given them enough notice. But you f- you find that people are supportive and will help you, particularly for those big days, because everyone knows that we're, we're sort of all in the same boat. Um, and so we do yeah. we do help each other out and that, and that does breed camaraderie um which is which is obviously a very good thing um and in regards to speaking out i i would definitely say do it um i'm 
going to keep that quote, Cody. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I, I think there's... I think we have to speak up and we have to speak out, particularly when things are not working and we have to challenge bad behaviours and we have to challenge the system because if we don't, it's not going to change. That being said, I think there are some things that sometimes we do just have to, I don't want to say put up with, but sometimes there is a there is a, a larger system or there is a service that has to be provided and some days you are going to have to stay late that's just the nature of the job you know it isn't as much as you like to think it's a nine-to-five job it isn't there are the classic friday at four o'clock when the patient starts vomiting blood and you've got to go do something about it you know it's not appropriate at that point to then leave them at five o'clock because that's when you sign off you know you you finish up and you see you know if that's happening every day then yes there's probably something that needs to be done because actually is it just you on that ward why are you not having enough support are the patients too unwell and and Mm. and something else so I i think you have to try and get a balance with it of is is this something that can change and that actually is is something that is is silly or is this maybe just i've just had a bad day and actually the the job isn't bad all the time um like i say i don't want to tell people to to not speak out about things because that's completely not what i'm trying to say um but i think when you when you start the job you you start to realize there are there's also you do have autonomy um maybe not as much as um we would like that's for sure um but there's ways around it and it's a system so sometimes you've kind of got to game the system as well we'll discuss a little bit more about our friends and our social lives in just a moment how much do you care about indemnity right now probably not a lot you're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients but being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. Okay, back to the show. So another thing that I was thinking about for this episode in terms of like having a social life as a medic was obviously the kind of shifts that we work as doctors or our workloads as medical students. Like say if you're on nights and your non-medic friends work office hours, it can probably get quite difficult. What do you think are the sort of benefits and the downsides of having non-medic friends? I live with completely non-medics and I have done for a couple of years and most of my friends are not medics. I'm kind of... Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> no, like I'm not obviously. Like I was going to say that, but Sorry, I me. no, it's fine. I think like some of my best friends are medics. I'm a medic. I don't hate myself. I don't hate them. I just don't like the culture. I don't like big groups of medical students. Um, 
and I need people who don't have the same like priorities in life as me around me to remind me that medicine is not the whole world I think for my first few years of medical school almost all my friends were medics lived with medics all of that and I ended up forgetting that there are other important jobs in the world I just completely yeah. forgot I just like kind of went through my day thinking the only important job is being a doctor or being some sort of healthcare professional and that is like so that how rude I can be that's so arrogant um and that was horrible so now I feel much more like I have my friends who do really really important jobs equally as important jobs just very different um and on a more fun note like they are more likely to finish at 5 p.m and they have their weekends off at the moment, as a student, I have the luxury of having my weekends off as well. So I can hang out with them and it's great. And we don't have that like added stress around exams. Like I'm the only one that's stressed and they're always a bit like... That's great. So um, I would highly recommend anyone listening having some friends who aren't medics. Maybe 60%. I would, <laughs> I would 100% agree. I think a huge majority of my closest friends are not medics either. I always worry a bit if I'm like especially around exam season if they understand that I'm not ignoring them or that I'm not being rude yeah. by saying that I can't come or things like that or if I'm being dramatic but I yeah. think after a couple of years like people understand that there's like a couple of weeks in a year where it's like I don't really talk to anyone but then I come back I find fine. it helpful my non-medic friends help me when I'm in a place of revision or working hard they help me not not talk to anyone because they're not like (laughs) they're not also working so actually and I am not someone who can go weeks revising really hard no social life and that's good for me that is not good for me and so that these my friends are good at reminding me that life exists I guess it's also kind of links to the whole should doctors like date other doctors and ironically mm-hmm. I think Cody and Lily you were both on the Christmas app when we were speaking about this <laughs> so Gress what Gosh, are your what thoughts you're you're married to a non-medic, aren't you? to a non-medic and all, I was I was, ju- I was just thinking about the fact that that we call them non-medic so sort of med- I know yeah. negative. Um, human or non-human <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah. um I've, I've dated medics I've dated non-medics I'm now married to a non-medic um and she works in recruitment um I have always again the majority of my friends are probably more on the non-medic side that being said the friends that I've got that are medics I'm really really close with and I think when you do medicine it brings up all this stuff that you end up talking about that you wouldn't normally talk about with sort of friends that you meet down the yeah. pub. I mean sometimes that you wouldn't meet meet down the pub you know you're talking about life and death and sort of some quite horrible diseases and you know you, you have really interesting conversations that are, are tricky to um, recreate and whilst I love being able to come home and sort of not having to talk about work um, sometimes and Beverly knows this sometimes it is it is tough when you come home and actually you just want to be able to rant about something and for that person to completely understand what you mean whereas if if you are dating a non-medic or married to a non-medic then sometimes you can have a slight disconnect on that I think you know we've we've worked that out in our relationship and there are definitely days where she's like you just need to go and speak to whoever yeah um and um but I for me personally um I need to have that um balance of medic and a non-medic friend because I I'm I think a bit like you Lily the 
being around medics constantly um used to do my head in a bit too much um you know medics are wonderful but we're also pains in the ass as well it's so annoying we're, we're, yeah. and I, I throw my hat into that you know i went to leeds uni and yeah. was one of the medsoc people i was probably very annoying <laughs> uh, i still am very annoying um i will totally hold my hands up for that um but i think that's why you need to have breaks from people that being said i i've known people that work in meds work in surgery are married to surgeons who live breathe and eat surgery and you know their days off consist of reading up about surgery and reading journals and that makes them happy and you know what hats off to you but that is not for me and i think that that work life <laughs> balance is is very personal i think there are some people who want to very much have a basically have medicine as a job um and some people who want to have it as a vocation um i'm very thankful that i have um my wife to keep me sane and to keep me grounded Okay, everyone. So what would you all say are your take home messages from this episode? What do we want our listeners to remember? I would say everyone's different and everyone has their own priorities. So to library person who was trying to stop me from going home, (laughs) if your priority is to stay in the library till midnight, that is all that is perfectly fine. Um, However, if your priority is to go home at 2pm, that is also fine. Um, If you like doing things just do what you want to do and your work-life balance is what you decide it is and no one else can decide that for you so if you enjoy working working quote marks air quotes 16 hours a day um maybe think about that a little bit but if the work you're the extra work you're doing is something that you find enjoyable then go for it like there's no one to tell you like no one should tell you otherwise no one should tell you how you should be spending your own personal time I think I feel similarly I think this is going to sound really trite but I would say do what makes you happy and that sounds easy but obviously it's so hard but like if revising loads like the people around you and if being part of MedSoc and all of that is like yeah I am having a great time feel like I'm fulfilling my identity carry on doing that if it's just making your life boring and sad. I think realize that not all medics live that life and you can be a medical student or a doctor with a life that doesn't look like your classic medic life. I think it's quite hard to see that unless you deliberately look for it. You know those people, you follow them on Twitter or anything like that. Um, So I think be really strict about what makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think to build on what, what you both just said, I think those kinds of people are quite loud about the work that they're doing and how mm. much they live, eat and breathe medicine. Yeah. So you're you're right, Lily. I think you do have to take a step back and like look at the bigger picture and see that there are so many other people who yeah. probably do have a good balance and do do all these fun things as well. Because yeah. well, there's, there's absolutely no point if it doesn't make you happy. Like, what is completely. the actual point? So, yeah, that's my thing. Really profound takeover. What's the actual actual point? point? (laughs) Um, I'm going to quote James Tomlinson again um, because he makes a very good point that medicine is difficult. It is, you know, people die, it's long hours, it's emotionally quite draining, it's also a hell of a lot of fun. But it shouldn't be hard. And I think there are certain 
systemic and extrinsic external factors that we have no control over that will make it hard. Um, but actually, there are personal things that we can do to try and make it a little bit easier, like making sure you've got a good work-life balance, whatever that looks like for you. If that is like the other, like everyone else has said, uh, that's very individualistic. But just try and make it a little bit easier on yourself, because the the role that we that you are going to be doing it is difficult, and we need to be prepared and and ready for that and and have good levels of resilience i know it's a dirty word um to be able to to cope with it all but actually make sure that you're enjoying yourself outside it um because if 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 you don't enjoy your work it is going to be much much harder um and actually i do love what i do um but i'm lucky because i've, I've made a categorical choice to go part-time and uh, it means that when I come into work I'm much more bubbly and friendly and I, I hope less mean um, and always <laughs> always have your lunch break just go and eat something and have some and have some water um, that's just good well-being really I think that's a perfect message to end on That's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you would like to hear more from us, please subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks' time you'll be notified of our next episode. While you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. I'd love to hear what your ideas are for what we should cover later on in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other med students find the show. Until then, bye from us. Bye. Bye. Bye.